In this episode of Kitchen Table Magic, we have some adult language and mature content being discussed. If you have some younger mages around, it might be time to grab some headphones. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Kitchen Table Magic. I'm your host, Sam Tang. Each episode, I sit down with an inspiring person from the magic community. We hang out on their kitchen table to talk about Magic the Gathering as they share stories from the journey of their lives. This is episode 20, and I'm talking to Sid Blair. Sid got an 18-month DCI suspension for hard styling it with butt cracks at GP Richmond and then posting the photos on Reddit. Of course, it went viral, and even Time Magazine picked it up. Sid shares with us how life has been and what he's up to now. I hope you enjoy my hilarious conversation with Sid Blair. Hey everyone, thanks for joining me on Kitchen Table Magic. I'm your host, Sam Tang, and I am sitting here with Sid Blair. Sid, how's it going, man? Oh, it's going pretty good, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Well, let's do a quick sound check question. Sid, what was the first thing you did to celebrate the end of your 18-month DCI suspension? I drank a bottle of non-alcoholic grape juice, Welch's Sparkling Grape Juice. <laughs> Welch's Sparkling Grape Juice. Why, why, the, why the Welch's? It's delicious. Uh, just because that's what they had at the store. I don't drink, so I mean, I, I had to celebrate somehow. That's really cool, so I man. Got that. Okay, that's awesome, dude. And uh, where are you from, man? I'm from Delaware, Ohio. I uh, born and raised, you know, blah blah blah. From when I was one to when I was eighteen, I lived there. Uh huh. Slightly north of Columbus, it's pretty tight. Okay, yeah. So kind of like super Midwest. Super Midwest. All right. So Sid, you are best known in the magic community as the Crackgate guy. Can you tell us about that? I went to a, a tournament in Richmond, Virginia, and it was kind of like a last minute thing. Like I didn't really know that I was going until the night before, but I ended up going and um, <clears throat> I was at the player meeting. This dude, I was at seat 24 and this dude that was next to me, well, not next to me, but in the table next to me, I saw his butt crack hanging out and I was like, oh God, it, it begins. <laughs> 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 you know, <laughs> I got a whole day of this. This sucks. Yeah, it, <laughs> it already begins and it was like eight in the morning and it was I was tired and I was just in a car for like seven hours or something like that. And I was like, oh no. But anyway, this was at the player meeting is when I took the first picture before the first round even started. Yeah. What I did was I went and I put my phone, I like kind of leaned my phone on my, uh, my trades, uh -huh. like my bag. Yeah. And set a self timer for 10 seconds and just walked up in front of this dude's butt crack and kind of just, you know, did the thing. Uh huh. It went from there, so I did that, and then the first round happened, and I saw more. Second round, saw more, blah, blah, blah. That's pretty much it. And then I've, I think I took 16 total uh -huh. and then went home, and then uh, I was like – I was fucking around, you know, on my computer and stuff like that, and my one of my roommates was like, hey, you should put that on Reddit. And I, re I didn't really fuck with Reddit at the time. I was just like, okay, well, whatever, you know, maybe people will think it was cool. I didn't think people would think it was cool, but whatever. So I, I posted pictures. And then I went and hung out with some friends and then I got back, didn't even check my computer and went to sleep. And then I woke up and I had like a hundred missed calls, hundreds of text messages, hundreds of, you know, emails. My dad called me 10 times and I thought somebody in my family had died. It oh was, man. It was crazy. I called my dad and, and he was like, Hey, did you hear about what happened? And I was like, Oh God, no, what happened? And he was like, well, this morning, a whole bunch of people came knocking at my door and, you know, in real time while he's telling me this, I'm like, oh no, dude, like, what did I do? Uh -huh. you know? <laughs> like, yeah. 
I'm a, I'm a boisterous individual. Like, you know, I, I do some crazy things and I was wondering like, <laughs> what was it? Cause I used to live there. <laughs> so maybe like, maybe something I did that they just found uh-huh. out about or something like uh-huh. that. But anyway, yeah. you know, told him, they were like, Hey, did you see your son on uh, <clears throat> time.com? Oh, wow. I was like, Oh God, what, what do you mean? Time.com. It, it turned out that time.com had, had like this article about the pictures and it was crazy. So then I go through all my Facebooks and my Twitter and, you know, all this crazy shit. And that was pretty much it. And obviously for the listening audience, for if you haven't seen the photos, go look them up because Sid does this thing, right? You said you do a thing. You basically got down on like one knee. Can you I said thang. The, yeah, thang. Okay, so what is that thang, that pose? What, <laughs> how would you describe it? It's like, it's a fusion, really. It's like, um, there's this, in the, in the hardcore slash punk subculture, there's this thing called hard styling, which is sort of this ironic, like, uh, pose for pictures where you just, like, look as tough as possible. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you're taking a big old squad pic or something like that, and that's what you do is you just stand there and you, it's, it's, like, kind of making fun of yourself in a way, because, like, I'm pretty involved in the hardcore, like, punk subculture. Uh-huh. And, like, it's kind of, like, making fun of yourself because a lot of those people do some, like, macho posturing shit. And, you right. Know, look as tough as possible so it's like really funny to like take pictures with like dumb shit Uh and look as tough as possible so in my mind i would always find like some dude like passed out at a party and shit like that or Uh and take a picture next to him like that or something like that you know it's it's, yeah it's just funny to kind of like reframe it from like (laughs) taking pictures with people you know that like your friends or something like that to like something that's really funny right that you would observe right and doing it next to that Oh my gosh. Okay, so you're basically that okay, so basically the pose, the thang, is just you just hard styling it. Yeah. Which is uh kind of Kappa. Yeah. And it's ironic, right? And it you're Kappa. Kappa is a, a term on Twitch uh that they use in the Twitch chat and it just basically means um irony. Yes. Like sarcasm, right? Yeah. Yeah. Did you see the remix of that when uh your suspension just about ended? There was some chick who was like vacationing in like Europe or something. And she basically yeah, that. did that hard styling stuff with like all these like butt cracks of like statues and things. It was like the Louvre or something like that. Yes. Yeah, it was incredible. And that was like that blew up on Imager because it was like so meta. It was so like it butt crack inception because it was like a yeah. reference of a reference of your reference. This is hilarious. It changed my life. <laughs> it definitely did change. And it also, it changed the magic community's life because on one hand, a lot of people got a really hilarious laugh out of it. But there were some other people in the community that were not so happy about it, which, spoiler alert, led to your ultimate 18-month DCI suspension. There were a couple of uh, pros. Brian Kibler wrote an article. He was not particularly happy about that. There were some other people that were not happy about it. What were your thoughts at the time when you saw kind of like the backlash? Well, personally, I didn't see anyone that um, that I took pictures of that were unhappy with it. But, um, one guy got in contact with me. The only person that got in contact with me that I took a picture of was pretty excited about it. Like he said, he was like a local celebrity because of it. Uh huh. But that doesn't mean that I don't think that you know people were maybe negatively affected by it. And you know, the backlash it kind of made me rethink a, a couple things. Like you know. There's always one perspective. Like, you know, when you're doing something, you always have your perspective. And there's always another and then another, you know, hundreds and thousands and millions. But most of the time, you know, let's say if you and I are talking like right now, Mm -hmm. I only have yours and my perspective. You know what I mean? Right. But but when something kind of blows up to that degree, there are literally millions 
of perspectives. And I definitely understand why, you know, uh, lacking the context of, of who I am. And I'm sure that, you know, you see in my Twitter and stuff, you know, a little bit about who I am and my kind of like humor and my kind of like self depreciating type thing. And, you know, a lot of people really didn't see like my perspective, yeah. which is fair because they don't know me. Right. So I completely understand, like, <clears throat> I completely understand where they were coming from. And the fact is that, you know, it was the way it, it happened. There's no way to my perspective would be preserved through all the ways that it was, you know, reposted and reblogged and, you know, all this stuff. Right. And it was, you know, it, it was unfortunate that it happened the way it did because I feel like, you know, for example, on Reddit, when I posted on Reddit and I was like answering people's questions and stuff like that, it kind of preserved a little bit of that context where I wasn't like being a dickhead. Right. But it was like, it was funny, but it, you know, but it was also like kind of bringing it to bring it to light. Yeah. But the thing is, is that one, you know, once like some sort of shitty meme groups on Facebook, you know, hundreds of those are showing it and they're just like, look at these nerds, you know, like yeah. I definitely understand why people would have that sort of negative connotation because without that context of who I am, that's how it looks. Right. Right. You know, yeah. That I'm just like making fun of these dudes, even though I am pretty much the quintessential, you know, dude that plays magic. Like uh-huh. I look like the people, I look like those dudes, you know, uh-huh. like it, it's, it is what it is. And I don't really see the, the, um, the whole, you know, fat shaming thing or anything like that. But I, I'm, but like I said, I do see, you know, given the lack of context, why it looked the way it, it did. And I feel bad about that because that definitely wasn't the way that I, I presented it and, and intended it to be seen. Yeah. So the backlash sucked, especially, especially from people that, you know, I respected within the competitive magic community. And I'm not saying that this kind of like, this didn't devalue my opinion of them or anything like that because I still respect them as, as good magic players. But like, I would think that the pro players are more like, you know, mature and can understand different perspectives pretty easily. And I would think that maybe they would try and figure something out about me before they, they said the things that they, they said about how they felt about what I did and, you know, how they felt about me or anything like that. But yeah, you know, there's nothing you can really do about that. Right. I can't really do anything about that besides, I mean, and I, I did talk to a couple of them and it kind of got hashed out a little bit, but. Who'd you talk to? I talked to, um, I can't, I honestly can't remember. There were so many. Okay. And I, well, one person in specific, well, two people actually, no, three, I'll say three, uh, specifically one, one of which was, uh, Pat Chapin mm-hmm. and he and I actually talked like semi-regularly on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, that dude's sweet. Like, I mean, obviously he, you know, is one of the, the ambassadors of magic and he was actually like, he was defending me on a lot of these, like, you know, local judge groups or like local magic groups or anything like that. And the ones that he was a part of, he would, he would be like, look, this guy, like I met, in fact, I met him that day in Richmond. Uh-huh. I met him that day because I, I, I was like, Hey man, I heard your, cause he raps about magic. Yes. And I was like, look, dude, I also rap about magic. Cool. And I, I was like, I'd like to email you like a demo or something like that. You listen to, I mean, I'm not trying to like shop it out or anything. There's no shopping, <laughs> shop it out. that type of thing out, you know, yeah. but I was like, if you want to check it out, like, obviously you're a fan of rap. So am I, I rap, you, you know, and we were, t- we talked for a couple minutes and it was tight. And then, you know, the stuff happens. And then Pat Chapin was, he was like defending me a little bit on these judge groups and these Facebook groups talking about how, you know, he spoke with me and he understood the context and that I wasn't bullying and, 
you know, he, he referred to me as good people. He also referred to me as an artist, which was pretty cool, you yeah. know, but you know, um, especially coming from him, that's crazy. Cause I could, I consider him an artist in a big way. Like, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of his writing and a lot of, you know, people don't look at that, that magic stuff. You know, when you write about magic, that's, that's, it really is art because it's coming from your brain and it's your unique perspective. But anyway, like I said, we speak semi-regularly and he's a pretty good dude. And then another guy that, uh, kind of defended my, like at least, you know, defended my honor a little bit was a BBD BBD. Yeah. You know, there was like a, a pile of dudes, pretty much everybody besides the three that I'm going to mention were like wrecking me thinking I'm like bullying and fat shaming and blah, blah, blah. And, but well, hold on. Most of them, I'm not trying to like bad talk any of them because I completely understand where they're coming from. And yeah, for sure. If I had the information they did, but also didn't have the information that they didn't, I would, I would extract the same conclusion. Right. So I'm definitely not like bad mouthing any of them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, yeah. And he, uh, on some sort of group or something like that, I can't really remember where it was, but he was defending me as well. And he was saying, you know, pretty much the same things that I have been saying is that, I, you know, given the context of my character and a lot of this stuff, I mean, like on my Twitter, my Instagram and stuff like that, that is a character. Like I don't really post anything personal at all. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I kind of keep my personal stuff personal, but like he was, he completely understood it. And I didn't even really talk to him at the time before that. I, I messaged him and said, thanks for defending me. But you know, he, he just understood it in a different way. I feel like in the way that I intended it to be. So that was pretty cool. And then another guy, Matt Sperling. Yeah. I actually did an, an interview with him. Uh, it was Sperling Grove, and he's a good dude, man. Like, I mean, we're friends on Facebook, and he posts cool shit, and I post cool shit. And, you know, we, he's got like this platform, and he uh, came at me and said, "Look, you know, I know a lot of people are demonizing you and vil- vilifying you, um, but I want to have a conversation where it's not really, you know, that bu- like." that bias towards making you look like a dickhead because a lot of the a lot of the things that a lot of people were doing and coming at me with were just like automatically saying that like i'm a i'm a dickhead for this stuff and i'm a bully and i'm this and you know like instead of being like why would you do that to this inclusive community that already made like even if i answer that at all you know what i mean that's admitting that i was like bullying and and doing all this stuff which i definitely was not doing but yeah you know so he came at me and he he kind of threw some neutral questions my way and because he kind of wanted to dispel these rumors of like you know making me look like the the public enemy so those three guys pat chapin brian bronduin and matt sperling were probably the three biggest uh pros that kind of you know didn't throw me to the wolves Yeah, I totally understand that. I read that Brian Kibler article and I kind of understood where Brian was coming from because if you know a little bit of Brian's backstory, you know, fitness is very, very important to him and he has been an athlete and so he's, for him, you know, he's like worked on his body to make sure that he stayed healthy and he inspires other people to be healthy and so he was like, he right. definitely was not happy about that. But uh, Helen Bergeau, the director of organized play from WOTC, uh, basically reached out and was like, you're getting the band hammer. Can you share a little bit about your conversation with her or or how that even went down? This is this was like the weirdest thing about the whole situation was that um I never talked to her. Uh-huh. I was I got an email from uh a very like seemingly conspicuous email address um and it, it was Eric Shugan and he's some sort of like investigator or something on the DCI 
part of the branch, you know? Yeah. And, um, and he messaged me, he emailed me in the midst of all, you know, all the stuff I was getting, I was getting bombarded, dude, my email, my, you know, my text, my, my Twitter, Facebook, everything. I was getting blown up completely. Yeah. And in the midst of all these emails, uh, was Eric Shukin and his email was like a Verizon.net email and it, oh. everything about it just looked really like skeptical. Oh. And, you know, the, e- the email said, um, that I, I was going to get banned and that I had 48 hours to, uh, to give them my side before they figured out what to do. And I pretty much spent 48 of those 48 hours like confirming that this dude was who he said he was. Oh. And it, it was like, it was weird because, you know, I don't, and at that point I hadn't really talked to anybody. Oh, okay. So I didn't like want to give some like random dude with some random email, you know, the scoop or whatever. I don't. Oh, I totally get so that. This whole time I was like, I was like, yo, I was like, I'll talk to you, but you need to like confirm that you are who you say you are because this Eric, Eric Shukin guy is with the DCI and stuff like that. But everything just looked real sketchy. And he was like, for some reason, like really, um, not trying to give me any sort of anything that would actually verify who he was. Like, for example, when I asked him to verify who he was, I was like, do you have like anything? Like any a profile work email? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a Verizon.net email. Like, dude, it's not 2002 anymore, you know? Like, come on. <laughs> so <laughs> It was like, Eric the Judge at DCI at AOL.com. Yeah, uh, yeah something like that. Yeah, Sid, bro, you're a uh, band. <laughs> it's like, right. uh, who so, are you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Okay. That's, uh, yeah, that's that's exactly how I looked at it. Oh man. So I was like, okay, can can you provide some sort of verification? And he was like, yeah, yeah. And then he sent me his like description on the DCI website, and I was like, just because that describes who you say you are, that, that doesn't mean that you are who you say you are. Oh man. And what I ended up doing was I ended up going to his Facebook and messaging him, and then he was like, yeah, that was who I was. I don't know why you tried to tried so hard to make sure I was who I wasn't. <laughs> And I was like, dude, are you serious? So he got pissed at you because you just wanted yeah, to make he, sure you I were mean, talking to the right person? Like, but he was like agitated kind of thing. <laughs> oh, and I was no. just like, okay, come on, dude. Like, oh, you no. know, like I got thousands of emails that day, you know, and I'm like trying to fucking cover my ass just in case I am about to get banned. Okay. And this dude shitty with me because it, it was almost as if he was like actively not trying to give me real verification or something like that. That's, oh. it, that's how it looked to me. Oh like if God. I was trying to impersonate this dude and they were like, hey, who, are you really who you say you are? That's the kind of shit I would send them. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it just, it was just all sketchy. So I figured out that it actually was who he said it was. But then at that point, all that, that 48 hours had gone. Okay. So I'm like, Okay, well, I was like, can I still like give you my, you know, my, my side of the story? And he was like, yeah. He was like, I don't know what it's going to do, but you can. Um, so I, I kind of typed some shit out and I'm like, I wasn't intending to bully anybody. I wasn't intending to fat shame anybody. It's just my style of humor. Like I wasn't trying to, you know, be, be shitty, I guess. I didn't intend for it to, to be popular the way it did. And I was like, I understand like how it looks. Like I said, you know, this whole time lacking the context of my character and who I am, yeah, my personality, and I was like, it just, it doesn't look, you know, it's just bad. Yeah, <laughs> it all looked bad. Yeah, it all looked bad. It all looked bad. And then when you got the official, okay, now you are banned, how did you feel? Yeah, that was the next day. Oh, okay. And it was from him. And he, and he told me, he was like, you were banned for 18 months. And I just woke up, like I woke up to the email. Oh, man. And I just like looked at it and my roommate came, and I, like, I was on the couch and my roommate came downstairs and 
he looked at, and he also plays magic a lot. In fact, everybody in my house plays magic a lot. And yeah. He looked at me and I was like, dude, I just got banned for a year and a half. And he was like, what? And I was like, sick. <laughs> 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 because I don't know. I like, from this, I've, I figured out that I, it's funny to be banned from stuff. Oh my gosh. Like, I don't know, but I, I was never really that mad about it. Okay. Like, you know, if, if I could go back and do it again every time. That's too funny. Okay. Well, I mean, it's funny. But it was unfortunate because the... I played a lot. I played a lot of competitive magic and, yeah. you know, kind of curbed all that. Sid, what did you do with your time now that you were not playing competitive magic? Well, I didn't really spend that much time playing. Like, I, I went to F&Ms and stuff like that. Recently, to when I got banned, I got a, uh, a job where I had to work Friday nights. I worked, sec- I worked security. Uh-huh. And that's one of the one of the main things I do is work security. And uh, I got a job working Fridays and Saturday nights, so I couldn't go to F&Ms. Oh, okay. So I was kind of like, eh, because that's kind of, you know, like my training ground for the GPs and for the, you know, the PTQs and stuff like that. Yeah. And pretty much once I got that job, I was kind of out of it anyway. Okay. Not really fully. Like I would go if there was a GP in Columbus, I'd go. You know, if there's a GP around here, something like that, Chicago, I'd go. Like I wouldn't go to Richmond again at that point because, well, I would because I like traveling. But, you know, it wasn't about the magic anymore. It was about the traveling, having fun there. Yeah, got it. Uh, so pretty much I had that job. And then, then when I didn't have that job, I just kind of spent my time either, you know, doing whatever, writing music, traveling, hanging out, doing doing whatever, really. Okay, so you just played like a bunch of like EDH and you just cubed a lot or something? Oh, while I was banned, I um, I did a lot of like, yeah, I did a lot of cube and then I, I played Tiny Leaders for a couple of weeks. I actually still have two decks even though nobody plays, <laughs> um, which sucks, but I mean, because I like Tiny it's fun. Yeah. You know, it's, I'm a big fan of creative restriction. Interesting. You know, so for example, like when I, like one time, I wrote a song where I couldn't use the letter S. Interesting. Yes. So I like creative restrictions like that. That's really cool. So I was cool. like, tiny leaders, okay. Everything that, you know, costs one, two, or three, or zero, obviously, I'm down with that. Cool. You know, but now nobody plays, which is which is okay. I don't really play EDH that much because it feels like, um, you know, big groups. I play one-on-one EDH. I think it's called French. Yeah. I play one-on-one, but like big groups and stuff like that. I don't really, I don't really fuck with the politics. I don't really like that because it's usually, I'm not trying to like gloat or anything. So I don't even think that's something to gloat about. But I think a lot of the time people usually just come at me and then I have to sit there and watch and wait for everybody to be done. So I don't really play EDH that much. I drafted, kind of did some like casual, um, conspiracy drafts, casual, whatever set was coming out of the time drafts, stuff like that. Yeah. And that's pretty much it for magic. Sid, you talked a lot about your music. Could you share with us about your music and what you do? Yeah, yeah. So um, I rap with a friend of mine. Uh, we're called the Fresh Breeze Movement. And if you've ever, have you ever played Earthbound? I have not. Okay. Well, there's this, uh, there's this town. The first town you get, well, city, I guess, is called Onet. Yes. And there's right. a woman in there. She talks about the street sharks because the street sharks are the kind of the little kid gang running the arcade and running the city and stuff like that, and the enemies you fight. And she's talking about running those kids out. And having like wholesome fun or something like that. And she was start talking about starting a movement called the Fresh Breeze Movement. Oh. So that's yeah, so that's where that comes from. But um it's my friend Berez and I. Um I'm Obi Wan, which is which fun fact, tidbit of the day. Yeah. My my Reddit name, Obi One FBM, stands for my, my when I rap, my rap name is OB1, the letter O, the letter B, the number one. Yeah. And then the FBM stands for Fresh Breeze Movement. Ah, uh, okay. I get it now. So um my friend Berez and I rap. We started in like 2011. Uh, we have four albums 
And uh, the fifth one is actually coming out soon, as, as soon as it's done being mastered, and give it about a week after that. Sick. And it'll be out. Yeah. And then we're also already writing a sixth. So that's pretty cool. That's amazing. Yeah. I was listening to some of your music, and it's really good. Thank you. I appreciate that. The, the new album is even better. I'm very excited about it. It's definitely by far the best stuff we've put out. But the thing is, we haven't really put out an al- we haven't put out an album in about three years. Uh huh. I've kind of like retracted back from that because you know a lot of things have happened in my life recently, and a lot of things have been happening with Brez, and we kind of like you know life got in the way kind of thing. And uh-huh. just well, just now recently in the past couple months, I've been feeling like I'm I'm in a, a better place where I can be more creative, and you know. Because when you're like stressed out and you know you got a lot of stuff going on, you can't really be creative to your capacity. So that's right. It's just hard. But now we got this album coming out, and we got another one on the way already, and it's going down. That's so awesome, Sid. What's your writing inspiration when you do like write a song or write a rap? Like, where do you get your inspiration from? So I get my inspiration from like a lot of um, recent events, a lot of the way I feel at certain points because I'm I think to myself a lot. I sort of. Uh, I don't want to say meditate because it sounds like lame kind of, but I, I, I do. And I kind of just like sit in silence or have some sort of like instrumental playing, not even like a rap instrumental, but like, you know, something soft, uh, like this band called the end of the ocean. Uh huh. The end of the ocean is sick. Well, I'm going to check it out. And I just kind of listen to that and think a lot. It's kind of like a stream of consciousness type of thing. Like, you know, I know that when a lot of people write raps and stuff like that, there's a lot of structure to it and stuff like that. But like a lot of the times I just sort of, it, it kind of comes like instantly. Like I, I write a line and then I think for a couple seconds and then that, that line just kind of like boop goes into my head and then I write that line yeah. and then I write the other line and it, you know, it, it just kind of it flows out. Like I know that sounds dumb or whatever, but I, I don't think about it. It just happens. And yeah. my thinking though is a lot of that is, you know, what, how I want to say things and the kind of perspective that I want to, you know, take like the approach I want to take. Once I get all that sort of thing figured out, it's kind of like a plan of attack. Once I get the plan of attack figured out, it all just falls into place. Yeah. As as far as like topics, I kind of don't really go into much with a topic. It just comes out. Mm-hmm. I, that's pretty much the only way. Like I've never really gone into a song thinking about, I want to rap about, you know, this specifically or this specifically kind of thing. When the dude I rap with and I kind of, we send things back and forth. Like when he's done with his verse, he'll send it to me and then I'll rap about that. That'll sometimes influence the way I I write. If he writes about something specific, I'll kind of like, you know, have it related or have it, you know, somewhat similar, but never, it's never like exactly the same because I want it to be two different people. Right. You know, we're, we're this, you know, we're the same entity we're the same group we're the same duo but like you know i want to sort of like illustrate the, the differences as much as possible yeah so he's got this perspective i've got this perspective and you know we kind of talk about the same sort of um sort of basic problem you know if you have like an idea web and yeah. you kind of like you know everything kind of boils down to one simple idea you know for example like if, if 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 you're not a fan of police and then if you're not a fan of um government well i mean police is sort of you know involved with the government you know what i mean it's it's related but not related enough to be you know too similar right but it boils down to corruption you Mm -hmm. know that kind of thing Mm -hmm. so you can talk about two similar subjects with with a common theme yeah so if he's you know talking about this i kind of think about what themes are going on with this and how can i kind of make it personal but make it related Mm mm-hmm and that's pretty much how everything comes out. Sometimes I start, sometimes he does, and he does the same sort of thing. Well, I mean, the end result is the same. I don't know if he does the same thing, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't really know. He's dead, yeah. you know. It kind of just comes out. And then that, and that guy is Breezy or? Perez, B-E-R-E-Z, Perez. 
he's a nice dude. Berez. Yeah, exactly. Uh, his Twitter handle is Kid Marvel FBM. He's he's definitely not uh, the same <laughs> or similar at all as me. So he's just he kind of you know tweets more about like his day to day and you know kind of doesn't have much of a uh, a character mm-hmm. online and just talks about like his feelings and stuff, mm-hmm. which is obviously completely fine. I'm just saying, if somebody wants to check him out, don't expect the same thing I, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Sid, when did you start rapping? I started writing probably in like 2008. Uh-huh. And I was always showing like my stepbrother, I'd be like, hey, you think this is good? And he'd be like, nope. <laughs> and I keep going. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, 2009 goes by, I'm still writing, I'm writing like poetry and I'm still writing raps, but I've never really like put it on anything. Mm-hmm. And 2009 comes by, nope. 2010 comes by, I moved to Florida and moved back. And I was like, in Florida, I wrote this song. Uh, but you know, are you familiar with rap? Like pop rap, I guess. There's yeah. a song with Lil Wayne and Gucci Mane. Mm-hmm. And it was called Steady Mobbin or We Steady Mobbin or something like that. Mm-hmm. I wrote a verse on Gucci Mane's part, kind of like a parody about Pokemon. Uh huh. And it was called Pokemobbin. Uh huh. I like, I wanted to find somebody that would write Ash's part as maybe. Uh, over Lil Wayne's part is maybe Ash or Brock or, you know, somebody or something like that. And I was asking all these people and Berez, the dude I rap with, was the was the last person that I hit up. Not because I didn't like him or anything like that, but just because we were we were so totally different yeah. in so many ways. Right. At this point, we really didn't talk at all. And, you know, we knew each other in high school and stuff like that. But like I said, it was like, you know, night and day kind of thing. Yeah. And I was like, hey, if I was like, if you want to, you know, I got this shit opened up or whatever. And I thought it would be fun to do. And he told me, he was like, if if nobody else um, does it, I'll do it, whatever. Yeah. And then it turned out nobody else did it. Just, I don't know, maybe not everybody wants to rap. Who knows? Uh-huh. <laughs> but he was like, yeah, I'll do it. And then he comes back at, at me the next day. And it was the coolest thing I'd ever read in my life. That's awesome. And I was like, damn, this is sick. So I lived pretty close to him at the point. And uh, I was walking around and I, I just called him and I was like, hey, do you want to record Pokemon? And he was like, yeah, sure, whatever. Like, I, I don't have anything else planned for the day. So I walked to his house and we get on this little rock band mic. It was like a USB mic, which if anybody that knows microphones, shitty, you know, <laughs> shitty, shitty mic. And it was, we just like got some other shitty uh, audio recording software. It's called Audacity. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's not really shitty, but you know what I mean. It's, it's low not budget. full featured. It's just, yeah, it's low budget. It's like, it's very simple. There's no like, you know, it, it, it's, yeah, you get me. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. So there's I, not really yeah. much you could do with it. Right. We put steady mobbing, we find an instrumental, and then we record it over this mic, and it's like super, I still have the original recording somewhere in my email, and it's like super terrible recording quality wise, but I was just like showing all my friends, like it was so sick. I was like, yeah, check it out, Pokemon, you know, it was stupid, and then everybody like kind of got this, like it was a pretty positive response. And Berez hit me up and he was like, dude, that, that's sick. He was like, I like doing this a lot. He was like, we should write a couple more. So we wrote three songs and we made a Facebook and we, you know, decided that we should be called the Fresh Breeze Movement. And we put up these three songs and they were sick. They sounded shitty, but they were sick. Uh-huh. You know, the, the response was positive. We make a couple more and then we were like, we should make an album. And then that's pretty much it. Played some shows, did, did some fun stuff and it was tight. That's pretty awesome, man. Yeah. So it kind of started, you know, as like Berez kind of just being like, if if it, you know, if it comes down to it, I'll do it. And then we do it and then it's awesome. And then, it, you know, it keeps snowballing from there. That's a great way to start. Yeah, it's sick. 
Sid, I wanted to ask you, when did you start playing Magic? Whew, okay, so at one point I lived on the west side of Delaware, which is, um, I was right next to this, my preferred local game store called Hobby Central. And I was like, I think I was like seven years old, maybe eight. I'm not really too sure. I was in third grade, so I don't really know where that goes, you know, age-wise. But um, I was over there a lot, and I, this was back when the Pokemon thing was was popping. And I was buying Pokemon packs every day uh-huh. and stuff like that, but I never really played that game. I was just collecting. Mm-hmm. It's kind, of, kind of funny now because, you know, Pokemon's so huge again. Right. But um, I was buying the packs. This was when the first edition came out, too, so it was popping to the extreme. There were lines out the door just to get Pokemon packs. Mm-hmm. I was there and some dude taught me how to play magic. And he was like, you want to play this? It's way sweeter than Pokemon, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, yeah, sure. So I learned how to play magic and I'm shitty because I'm a stupid ass kid. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know how to do anything, you know, can't even take care of myself. I'm fucking eight years old, but I can play magic, I guess. But, you know, I get these decks together from these shitty cards. And in fact, one of my favorite magic cards, it's not really, it was my favorite back in the time. It kind of has like a nostalgic feel now is Vizardrix. It's a 6-6 for six generic mana and a blue mana. And it's just a 6-6. It's a rare. Super shitty. (laughs) But I loved it. Like, that was my dude. Like, when I put the Vizardrix out, like, I still lost, but it was tight. Like, you know, 6-6. That's hilarious. Yeah. So, like, I'm a stupid-ass little kid thinking Vizardrix is a sick card, getting whooped on all the time. I ended up moving out of there going back to the east side of Delaware and stuff like that and never really touching magic that much mm-hmm. until about 2010 uh-huh. when I came back from Florida and moved back to Columbus. My friend Drake had just started driving and he like picked me up and we went to Hobby Central because he was like playing Warhammer, but he would pick me up because he wanted to like hang out with me and shit, you know, cause I had just moved back from Florida and all that. So, um, he comes and gets me and I would go to Hobby Central. But around the, the second or third time, this was when Innistrad first came out. So whenever Innistrad first came out was when I first started playing. Ah. This dude, Tony, he's like, what? Like, I think he's like 38, gigantic dude, big ass beard. Still is probably wearing the same shirt from, from when I met him. <laughs> you know, yeah. That type of dude, you know. But he bought this box of Innistrad. And he he opened a foil Geist. Wow. But I didn't know what it was. At, well, at the time, I you know didn't really know what was going on. But he opened a foil Geist to St. Trav. And I was like, sick. But then he gave me the commons and uncommon. Uh-huh. Because I was telling him about how I used to play Magic and stuff like that. And I kind of wasn't really like watching that much. He opens the stuff and he's like, you want these? Because you know now that I know kind of how that shit works, when you open a box you don't really care about the commons and uncommons well most of them right you know what i mean so he just kind of had all the commons and uncommons he was like hey you want these and i was like yes i do (laughs) (laughs) so uh so i got this box and i got like a little uh like sorter box and stuff like that and i just like had both stacks of the cards in my hand and i could hardly hold them in both my hands and i just went back to the back and i I said i was like drake and he looks at me and i have both stacks in my hand i go i guess i play magic now (laughs) So I like so I went home and sorted them all and made some shitty decks. My first deck um, was green white humans and it had like Hamlet Captain, um, selfless Cathar, uh, unruly mob, you know, shit like that. Let's do funny, man. You're not playing standard right now. Are you playing uh, limited or are you playing uh, legacy or modern? I haven't really been playing too much competitive magic. Like like I said, the only actual like sanctioned magic I've played since I the ban was lifted was pre releases. Okay. I'd mostly play EDH or like maybe help a friend test for modern or help a friend test for legacy, you know, something, something like that. Yeah. So I don't really like test for myself or plan to play in any tournaments of any sort of format because I, I just don't really play that way anymore. And a lot of it is because it's expensive. Well, especially modern. And then a lot of it is also 
some people like around where I am, I don't really like associating with the, a lot of the people around my area that play magic mm-hmm. just because like a lot of them are super like elitist. That's not real. Like I have a lot of friends and stuff like that and I have no problem like getting along with people, but like some people are just dickheads, dude. Not they don't really want me to like react really the way I want to, you know what I mean? Cause I would just beat them up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I would rather just, I'd rather just not go play magic and, you know, go hang out with my friends and fuck around. I see on your uh, Twitter profile, you're always posting these great pictures of like parties and things like that. And you floating down the river. Could you tell us a little bit about your uh, online personality, strong brother? Oh, oh, the str- well, so, you know, all this, this hanging out stuff, like I said, I got a lot of friends and like, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the friends I met were friends through like uh, going to like shows, like little concerts and stuff like that. And, you know, like the, with the hardcore and punk scenes and, and I've kind of had like the same friend group for a pretty long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just go out and we do a lot of stuff. You know, we, we go barbecue at some, some waterfall and we go jump off the waterfall. We go, you know, party. We, for July 4th, we had $5,000 worth of fireworks and sh- threw them at each other. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it was crazy. Uh, so the strong brother thing, this is actually one of the funniest things. And honestly, one of the coolest things that's really ever happened to me. And I know this sounds dumb, but like in character, one of the coolest things that's ever happened to me. So, uh, my friend Josh, my friend Griffin and I took this picture. We ha- we all had this corpse paint on, which is like face paint for like a, you know, like a death metal band or whatever, mm-hmm. or black metal. And um, my dude Josh, he had this car, it was like a Mazda, and it was spray painted black, but uh, NWO was spray painted on the side of it. And if you don't know what NWO is, in pro wrestling, there was a faction called the New World Order. Right. And it had, well, originally it had Hulk Hogan, Scott Hall, and Kevin Nash. Uh huh. And Hulk Hogan is like in character in my, on my Twitter character. And on, like, he's cool, but like in my Twitter character, things are just exaggerated. He's like my Twitter idol. Like yeah. just because everything he does is hilarious, like and it's unintentionally hilarious. Like he's just old and doesn't really grasp how Twitter works, and the way he types is like super funny. Yeah, and um, he just says like, um, or he'll tweet, "Can I text you?" You know, uh-huh. and like it's just so funny because it's just a failure, you know, like, yeah. at Twitter. And he would text, he would tweet, "Please." Uh huh. Like he's just got this tweet, and it just says, "Please." <laughs> with, <laughs> with, with five exclamation points, and it's just so fucking funny to me. And <laughs> and then he said, um, "Okay, now what?" H H. And he abbreviates all of his tweets. Right. Like with his, he initializes his tweets. Yeah. So at the end of a lot of his tweets, they say H H for Hulk Hogan. Yeah. And that's fucking hilarious. Like he's writing you a note. Like he's right. Yeah. <laughs> so here's how the strong brother thing comes about. At some point, we try to get a retweet from Hulk Hogan, me, Josh, and Griffin, and we would tweet him the picture. We would tweet him the picture, of me, Josh, and Griffin, and it's actually my pinned tweet. So if you go to my Twitter, it's it's always going to be my pinned tweet. Yeah. Uh, we tried to get a retweet from Hulk Hogan, and we couldn't do it. Uh, he just like wasn't responding or whatever. Um, we tweeted at Virgil, who was another WWE, well, former WWE superstar, and um, we tweeted at him, and he Hulk Hogan retweeted that. Oh, I don't know why, but um, Josh tweeted at Virgil, and he said, "I'm actually looking at it right now." He said, "Hey, Virgil, since Hulk Hogan won't retweet me, can I get a retweet? Me and my boys wrecked my car getting that fuck money, and fuck money is a stupid thing that Virgil says." But anyway, yeah. Hulk Hogan retweeted that, and then he replied and said, "Strong brothers, HH." Uh huh. So that's where the strong brother thing came from. Uh-huh. Like we were, we were saying that he was like, like unintentionally naming this like this like in character crew you know what i mean right. so we kind of like took the strong brother thing and 
I'm Strong Brother SB because my name's Sid Blair. Yeah. But they're Strong Brother JB, Strong Brother Geo, DL, RS, AS, like all the all the people that like uh, you know I'm kicking it with and shit on Twitter. Yeah. Are Strong Brothers, but I know them in real life. They're my all my good friends in real life. But like the people that like idolize Hulk Hogan. And stuff. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. HH. Oh gosh, that is hilarious. I mean, I love Hulk Hogan as well, and he's kind of an old guy now, but he it's endearing. Yeah. You know, technology moves fast. He's yep. signing tweets like he's writing personal letters and notes to people, which is very personal, very endearing. It shows a lot of his great personality and his character. And yeah, that's pretty cool, man. That you got another you got... thing is that uh, he responded to that picture again and said, and responded to just me and said, "You guys have no idea how many times I've looked at the picture already and wish I was writing dirty with your." crew my brothers hh wow he said that yeah he he said he wanted to ride dirty with my crew that's hilarious that's awesome like, man it's incredible so, <laughs> <laughs> so we, like at that point we kind of fully embraced hulk hogan that's so great as like our twitter god the way Hulk Hogan says, my brother, like the way he says that yeah. is like the best. <laughs> so when you read that yeah. tweet, you need to you need to yeah. read it in the Hulk Hogan voice. Yep. He's, you know, like and all then, gruffy and oh my God. Yes. And then also I kind of imagine him like he said, you guys have no idea how many times I've looked at the picture already. So I imagine him like, you know. <laughs> he has it saved as like a cell phone wallpaper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like he sits there and kind of like just sits there and, and wishes that he was riding dirty with my crew. Like he looks at the picture. He's got like one, of, one of those digital picture frames in his hallway and yeah. it just rotates. It's like his family and then there's one of you guys riding dirty. <laughs> yeah, riding dirty. He's like, and he just like, he's lamenting. He's like, God damn it, I wish I could ride dirty with my crew. Oh gosh, that's funny. So that's where the strong breath thing comes from. Was there another way that you could have pointed out the same thing with the whole butt crack photos without reading astray of the community? That's possible. How the internet works, you know, I really don't think that if my full intention was to just bring that problem to light, I don't think that there was a, a way to just do that and have it anywhere near the reach and the scope of, of, of the butt crack pictures. Yeah. Like if that was my only intention was to, you know, bring to light the fact that, you know, a lot of the times, and I don't want to, I don't want to sound like too generalizing, but pretty much every time, you know, I've been to some sort of like bigger magic thing, there's always been someone that's, you know, not really keeping the guidelines of proper care. Yeah. You know, I went up to a couple of those dudes and I was like, I was like, yo, don't like maybe after, maybe before I took the pictures, like, you know, I'm sure one of each or a couple of each or something like that. But I'd be like, yo, dude, your butt's hanging out or whatever. Yeah. And nobody cared. Nobody yeah. cared. And like, that was kind of like disheartening because I know if somebody told me that, like I, dude, I know I look like some fucking like normal fat dude, like neck beard fat dude on the internet or whatever. <laughs> but dude, like, oh, I'm like, a, am a normal dude. I'm not uh -huh. saying these people aren't normal, but like, you know, the magic community really is like the, 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 the coolest community that I could ever consider being a part of. Yeah. And it's like, it's super cool. Most of the people I would say, like, especially when I went to um, other places like, you know, Richmond or whatever, I love the community, the community's tight besides some of the people, but really there are bad apples in every, every bunch. I like the magic community a lot. 
I met yeah. a lot of cool people through that. And I definitely feel bad about the way I represented them because I didn't want that to be a generalization. But the thing is, is that, you know, like I said, lacking the context of, of who I am. And, you know, if people knew me, they would know that I definitely was not trying to say, hey, look at these fucking losers. That's definitely not what I would do. It brings up a good point because, you know, uh, one, that was one of the things that I really was trying to do with the pictures. But at the same time, like, you know, the negative repercussions is, is it's something I didn't think about mm-hmm. because I didn't have this sort of, you know, I didn't have the clairvoyance to say, you know, okay, millions of people are going to see this. So I better, you know, change it up or, you know, something like that. I, mm-hmm. I didn't have that at the time. Yeah. So originally, like, you know, I posted those and I thought it was just going to be funny with my friends. And that's pretty much it because my friends get me, you know. Yeah. So I I didn't really have that sort of like worldly view on that. So if there was a way that I thought could have illustrated the same concept without doing what I did, yeah, I would have done it. But I I don't think there was. But that definitely the whole like, you know, people need to pull up their pants thing and in general, take better care of themselves. That kind of that kind of thing wasn't really, you know, the only way the only reason I did that stuff. But it was one of them. Yes. One of the reasons, you know, one of the reasons I did post that to the Internet was because of that. Yeah. And I care about myself and I know, you know, I got a lot of work to do too. I'm definitely not saying I'm, I'm, I'm perfect, but like at the same time, like I'm very empathetic. And when I heard that people were upset with what I did, it made me feel bad because when people feel bad, I feel bad, mm-hmm. you know? And I was just like, holy shit, man. Like, you know, people, people really did get their feelings hurt because of this. And I know that like, there are probably countless situations where like some dude, you know, who really all he has is playing magic, like felt real, like ostracized and, and shit like that because of it. And that's that's the worst part about the whole thing to me is mm-hmm. that that dude felt that way, you know. Yeah. And then another girl felt that way. And then this dude felt that way. And I just that, that sucks. Mm-hmm. That definitely sucks. So. Yeah, well, I really appreciate that, man. I mean, I think that's a very good sentiment. I mean, obviously, we know throughout this conversation that you weren't malicious, you weren't bullying, and you don't ever feel that way towards any other human being or any other person in the magic community. You just wanted to post something, you wanted to have some commentary. It could have been taken in the wrong way, it could have been taken to a particular extreme. But yeah, there were people on both sides of the player community that took both sides of it and had a good conversation with you. And I think you made great time of your DCI suspension, and you still were in the community, you still went out, had a great time. Yeah. Travel to GP Boston and things like that. And uh, yeah, I'm very glad to hear it. I'm very glad to be having this conversation with you. Thank you. Yeah, man. It's been really fun. Sid, I've got some rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Hit me. Okay, here we go. Sid, question number one. Of the five colors of magic, white, blue, black, red, and green, what is your favorite color and why? Black. Because many reasons. I just feel like black has the capacity to do a lot of other things that other colors do at the cost of life. And life is really one of the, uh, one of the differentiators between sort of like a, a rookie player and a, and, a, and a higher level player is that people don't look at life as a resource in the way mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, a lot of like higher level players do. Mm-hmm. And I think the whole, you know, being able to lose two life and draw two cards, that's sick. I'd, d- I'd do that every day. I'd do that till I was down to one life. Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I like that it's not just like super villainy, you know, it's got some like, you know, because they aren't necessarily bad. I think that that's pretty cool, but mostly it's because like, you know, every deck really that I play now has black in it. And, and if it doesn't, it makes me feel weird. Yeah. Like it just, I like lifelink. I like death touch. You know, I like this and that. I like shadow and fear. And, you know, I just, I like dredge. Oh, I love dredge. Whoo boy. You know, and I like how the Golgari are flavored and I like how, Pretty much every black shard and black clan is flavored. You know what I mean? Like Grixis is sick. Esper is sick. You know, um, 
this, that, and the other thing, and Mardu sick, Sultai sick, Abzan sick, you know. A lot of the common denominator of that is black. And my fa- my favorite magic card actually is Vampire Nighthawk. Oh. Oh, yeah. When I first started playing, my dude Jarvis played me, and he had mono black vampires, and it was like some like shitty starter deck or something like that, but he had four Vampire Nighthawks. And I looked at that, and I was like, dude, that card's not real. I was like, there's no way that's fucking real. Yeah. A uh, two, three for three. Okay, so that's not that's not great, but it's got flying, so that's great. Like it, like back in the day when I first started playing, I would play a two, three flyer for three, mm-hmm. but a two, three flyer with death touch, whoo, I'd play that and life think. Yeah. How do you lose? Yeah. How do you lose? So <laughs> that was like. That card is sick to me. And even still, like, you know, I know it's a pretty, like, it's kind of a tempo loss if it dies before you do anything, obviously. But that card is sick. And and most of my favorite cards are black. Mm -hmm. And it's just because I like the whole concept of using one resource to get another and, you know, winning that way. That that seems fun to me. Plus, I like kill spells. Yeah, removal is great. I like it when somebody goes like, oh, I I don't know, this is a bad example, but like Arbor Colossus. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they're like, huh, huh, swing in for six. I'm like, Doomblade, <laughs> suck it. You know, that's fun. That's fun to me because a lot, like, it's funny when, it's funny to me when people think that they have the upper hand and they don't. And it's not from some sort of like superiority standpoint or anything like that, but it's like, it's just funny to me. Yeah. Like, it's called poop mouth when they have poop mouth. Because, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, in a, and oh god, uh, Anchorman. Have you ever seen Anchorman? Yeah. You know when uh when Ron Burgundy's in the station after he said go fuck yourself yeah. and uh everybody's like lining up outside for the riot or whatever or the protest. Right. And uh Chris Parnell comes up and he goes, You got you got poop in your mouth. You got poop coming out your mouth. So it's kind of stupid, but we kind of, you know, when somebody's mad, they have poop mouth now. Oh, that's funny. Like if if they think that they're about to win and you make them make it so they don't win or make it so they lose or whatever, they got shit in their mouth. <laughs> you so know. if somebody plays that, you know, they play that fucking, you know, Arbor Colossus, I guess, or they play yeah. that, you know, anything. They play that big boy. They play the Thunderball Hellkite or something like that. Right. And you go, Doomblade, fucking poop mouth city. <laughs> 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 That's hilarious. You know what I was thinking about was, uh, I don't know if you watch Rick and Morty. Oh, dude, I love Rick and Morty. In fact, like I... uh I'm friends with uh, Justin Roiland's assistant. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my God. That show is brilliant. You know, uh, there's a couple of uh, when the characters in Rick and Morty, they've got that ball's mouth and they kind of, they, what is that expression? It's like a blank expression. It's like an expression of like, kind of like poop mouth. Like, so when you said poop mouth, I was like, like, duh, right? Like derping. I can imagine the guy being like, I'll play an Arbor Colossus swinging for yep. six. And then you're <laughs> yeah. like, I'll Doom Blade. And then they get the ball's mouth. <laughs> they get the yeah, poop. they get the ball's mouth. Oh, gosh, that's so funny. Okay. <laughs> that's great. Okay, yeah. Definitely the removal solid in, in, yeah. in black. Yeah, definitely the removal solid. <laughs> okay, Sid, question number two. If you could change something about Magic the Gathering, what would it be? I would like some sort of resurgence in standard of, of, of spells that can that can do something at like, you know, efficient costs. Just like I mean, I, I know that they're sort of crafting some sort of environment, but it just feels cheap when I'm playing like shitty cards. Like, you know, <laughs> and it kind of sucks because this standard now is the first ever standard without some sort of like lightning strike or lightning bolt. Yeah. And that that sucks. Like, you know, that's a huge tool for red and like, you know, black aggro decks like Doomblade was a huge tool for that. This, that, and the other thing. And I just feel like the sort of environment that they're crafting is not really conducive to the type of player that I am and the type of player that a lot of people are. 
because yeah, a lot of people are playing standard, but that, those are like newer players. And then, you know, because it's no coincidence that people like start to play standard and then graduate into modern and, you know, do that kind of thing. Mostly. I'm not saying everybody does it, obviously, but mostly that's what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, that's because like you kind of get upset or like jaded or whatever about the power level going down. I, I, it kind of sucks, man, because like, I mean, I'm perfectly OK with, you know, playing a siege rhino or my opponent playing a siege rhino if I can kill it, you know. Like if I can kill it before it hits me, I'm okay with yep. that. Like you know, the three life, I lose three life thing, whatever. Exactly. I mean, it sucks. Yeah. In my opinion, one of the reasons that that Siege Rhino was so good was because the answers were so bad. Like yeah, you know, if they just play it and you kill it and they lightning helix you for four mana, that's not you know too bad. Well, they also discarded a card. You had to discard a card by playing the, the kill spell or whatever. You know, so it's right. So it's not bad, but like also if it hits, like that's when it's like super oppressive. Right. So I feel like if there was a card that like you know killed that. Or, I mean, there are, obviously, but, like, if there was more accessible, better answers, better spells, really, that sort of, you know, mitigated that whole deal, then I think that that would have been a, a, a much more healthy standard environment. I think that for the health of the standard environment, there really should be efficient spells in, in every color. I'm not even just talking removal, but, like, good counter spells. I'm not saying counter spell, but, you know, good counter spells and, and good board wipes and good this and that and, you know... Like mm-hmm. every color when it comes to spells is getting a shaft big time. And I, I just wish that it was kind of more even because I know that they're trying to do some sort of resurgence of creatures being popular, but it's pretty obvious that, you know, shit, what was the last time a, a creatureless deck top aided a pro tour in standard? Yeah. No, didn't happen. It pro- yeah. It probably hasn't been years. Like for real. Yeah. I mean, let's maybe not include Aetherling. If we don't include the one of Aetherling, <laughs> yeah. then I'm sure it's, you know, but it's still been since then probably. You know, it just kind of bums me out, man, because, you know, I'm not by any means a a veteran player or an old fashioned player or something like that. But I really do think creatureless decks should be viable. And it kind of sucks that that things are the way they are. And like, I just don't think that every magic game should be decided by creature combat. If if somebody doesn't want to play that way, they should be able to play that way. Yeah. And I think that, you know, inclusiveness is a big deal, not only in the community, but as, as a player that if I want to play a deck that doesn't have any creatures and I should, I should be able to play that and not have, you know, and, and have a, a decent chance of winning. That's probably what I would change. If I could change anything, I'd make some stronger spells. For sure, man. I like that too. I'd love to see that too. Sid, question number three, if you could give something to every magic player, what would it be? That's a great question. If I could give something to every Magic the Gathering player, mm-hmm. well, I'd give them my love. <laughs> <laughs> I give them. I would tell them that if you know if they ever want to talk to me, they can talk to me. If it, you know, because I I want to. I, I like being there for everybody. So you know, yeah. if, if anybody you know that plays Magic or otherwise, I guess needs somebody to talk to or something like that, hit me up because I know a, like a lot of people, Magic and otherwise, kind of don't have that many people that they can co- sort of you know confide in or talk about things and right. I just, I want the best for everyone. So I would, if I could give them something, I'd give them an ear to listen, a shoulder to cry on type of thing, you know? That's wonderful. Yeah, man. You could get some people and you could teach them how to do some hard styling so they could... Oh, you are funny, Sam. <laughs> so they could go out and hard style some, I don't know, some limited or something. I don't know. Yep, some limited. <laughs> Sid, question number four. What do you see in the future of Magic the Gathering? I see... A lot more people playing. I see a lot bigger GPs and bigger pro tours and bigger, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And I see a lot more people that have been playing for a long time getting fed up and fed up with the game and probably not stopping because they won't stop. But Uh a lot more people complaining about it, you know, that's pretty much it. That's all I got. Because that's that's all I see happening. Probably maybe spells getting worse, creatures getting better even still. 
pro tour and sales of packs going through the roof pro tours being huge modern you know probably stagnating maybe getting a little worse depending on you know this that and the other thing but that's i mean i i'm still gonna play no matter what like i don't really play much but, you know I, I still keep up i i, I think the future is bright for magic definitely yeah, sounds good, man. All right. And last, Sid, do you have any asks or requests of the audience, like where they can find you on social media, or is there anything that you want them to think about, consider, or do? Oh, man, I, I just want everybody to do everything that they can. Like, you know, if you got the choice of, of sitting somewhere and, you know, if somebody asked you to go out and go out, if somebody asked you, you know, if you want to do this or that or whatever, go do it. There's a whole world out there, you know, and it's not just magic. And I know that, you know, a lot of the time when I was playing magic, I did it to forget some things and, you know, kind of put some things aside. And I just want everybody to like be as happy as they can be. And I know that for me, a lot of my happiness derives from like hanging out with my people, you know, going out, having a good time doing this, that and the other thing. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes I do, you know, say, no, I'll stay home, you know, instead of doing this or whatever. And, and I regret it every time. But, you know, whenever I go do that. I say, man, I would be stupid if I said I would have stayed home because I had a memory that, you know, I'll have for a long time and I had a great time. And, and I just want a lot of people to get out more, go explore the world, go drive somewhere, even if it's in the state, you know, like go, go north. You know, if you've never gone north, go south. If you've never gone south, go, you know, here or there. One time, dude, me and my, uh, my old roommate, Wes, um, our power went out, like a power line got knocked down or something like that. We drove to California. Wait, wait, what? You, you drove to California? Yeah, we drove to California because our power went out. And, and it was two years ago. You, and where were you living at the time? I, uh, Ohio, Columbus, Ohio. Oh my gosh. So you was, were from Columbus, Ohio <laughs> to California because you're, oh yeah. my gosh. We were like, we went to go get coffee and we went and got coffee. And then Wes was like, hey, you want to go to California? And I was like, yeah. So we fucking came back to the house, packed some shit up and went to California. Where in California did you go? We went to Los Angeles and then we stayed with this girl. And then she was like, oh, this is pretty funny. She was like, hey, you want to go to uh, San Francisco for July 4th? And we were like, sure, whatever. And even when you're in Washington, I'm sure, because Washington isn't really like, you know, it's not huge. It's not like California huge, obviously. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're in Ohio and somebody's like, hey, man, you want to go to this thing? And it's in blank Ohio. You know that even if you're in Cleveland, like super north, it's only three hours total. Like anywhere in Ohio is Mm -hmm. at, at the most three hours. You know what I mean? So when we're in Los Angeles and she's like, hey, you want to go to San Francisco? We're thinking, hell yeah, like that sounds like a great time, go, you know, going a couple hours away or something like that. Yeah. We ended up getting up at seven in the morning and driving 10 hours to go to fucking San Francisco <laughs> <laughs> after we had been in a car for three days. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was so shitty. <laughs> so and we got up so early and she was like, yeah, we, I want to go be able to do stuff before the fireworks and after the fireworks. And we we're like, okay, okay. So we're going there and like a couple hours goes by and we're like, where are we? Like, what's going on? How much longer do we have? And she's like, yeah, we have like seven more hours. And oh my oh gosh. God. That's crazy. That was a bad time. But anyway, I'm not even saying do anything like that, but just be spontaneous. Like, go do stuff. Like, I know it's hard. I definitely know that it can be difficult to bring yourself to get up and, you know, go do this shit, but do it. Go do it. Yeah. I just want people to be happy. And I know that, you know, there's only so much that really magic can provide. And I'm not even saying that people don't have anything else, but like, you know, it's definitely helped me a lot to just go out and do shit and be around people. And I definitely implore everybody that, you know, maybe feels like something's missing to go do that. Uh, As far as things I want them to uh, think about, just think about ways you can better your life. Like, you know, think about ways that you can have fun and keep yourself occupied and kick it, you know, be a fucking dog. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I love that sentiment, man. Sid, man, it's been so awesome talking to you. Thank you so much. Hell yeah. I had a a pretty good time.
Okay, and your album is coming out soon. Yeah, yeah. I don't really have uh, a concrete date because, like I said, it's it's whenever it gets done. But um, if you want to, if anybody that's listening wants to like check out my Twitter, because I'm sure I'll post it there. Mm-hmm. My Twitter name is at uh, ob1fbm, same as my Reddit name, and that's pretty much. Oh, I have an Instagram too. Uh, my Instagram name is Biblical Figure. Nice. B i b l i c a l f i g u r e. Biblical Figure. And there's a lot of my hijinks are on that, and definitely some really good hijinks. All right. Have you looked at that? I have not. I'm not on Instagram very oh, much, man. but definitely you, I haven't. You'd love that. Okay. You'd love that. Yeah, just go check it out. I'll link it to you in your DMs. Nice. Okay. I love but, that. Uh, I'm definitely going to do that. That's pretty much all I got that, that I really want people to see. Um, I kind of I have like a YouTube thing I'm working on that is going to be out soon. That's pretty much it. I'm also working on getting a computer mm-hmm. to start using Twitch. So hit me up when I do that. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. I will have all of those links and more in the show notes at kitchentablemagic.org. Just search for Sid, Crackgate, or Strong Brother. I'm definitely going to have all that on there. Hell yeah. Sid, thanks so much for being on Kitchen Table Magic. It was a blast talking to you today. Hell yeah. I I had a pretty good time too, man. Y'all get hoes. That's all I got. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Sid Blair. In all of the interviews I've had with guests, it's important to keep in mind that there are many different sides to people. I'm grateful to have gotten to know Sid a little better. Go say hi to him on Twitter at OB1FBM. That's OB, the number one, FBM. And also check out Sid's music, Fresh Breeze Movement. All the links to Sid's social and music will be in the show notes at kitchentablemagic.org. Before I preview next week's guest, take a moment to subscribe to the Kitchen Table Magic podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and wherever you get podcasts. Follow the show on Twitter at KTM Podcast. Like our page on Facebook and sign up for our newsletter at kitchentablemagic.org. Coming up in the next episode of Kitchen Table Magic. And you know, just like the, the, the bottom line is that there are always things that you don't uh, plan for an event. In my in the years that we have been working in organized play, I, c- I could give you just like many many different <laughs> examples of things that go wrong. Just like we were in Valencia, Spain, and the whole venue was flooded, so we had to find a solution for just like uh, because the venue has to be evacuated, of course. And for the very first time in um, uh, the the story of the pro tour, we had to uh, cancel the one of the pro tour. But then we had to work on logistics, say, how can we run a pro tour? So in two days, instead of three days, it was really a very, very fascinating exercise. I'm talking to Helene Bergeau, the Director of Global Organized Play for Wizards of the Coast. Helene shares with us her role in the community and in Wizards. There are many challenges in putting on premier-level events such as Grand Prix and Pro Tours. Helene and her team are collecting lots of feedback to improve coverage and grow the game of Magic. Join us for this very special interview with Elaine Bergeau, all on the next episode of Kitchen Table Magic. <laughs>